0: Um, We're a sustainable clothing brand based in uh, Macclesfield and Anglesey in the northwest of the UK. Um, I run this podcast called Ethical Pages Podcast, uh, which I hope you uh, have listened to the previous episodes. We've got absolutely tons of um, episodes all about seaweed. The last um, six or seven episodes I think were actually about seaweed and we're finally moving uh, away from that. Uh, The reason that I did loads of episodes about seaweed if you didn't already know is that I ran a successful Kickstarter to produce a t-shirt range which was made out of seaweed fibre so yeah um, have a look at that it was uh, an amazing journey and it's led me to some incredible uh, connections uh, one of which is uh, Luke McMillan, who has set up Sea Sense flip-flops um, they want to do something very similar to what Inland Sea are doing and that's uh, to eradicate and completely move away from using plastics and also help to completely solve the plastic pollution uh, crisis which is uh, obviously happening and getting much much worse despite uh, so. Many Many efforts from uh, so many people. So Luke, like myself, uh, ran a Kickstarter this year to fund his um, flip-flops. Um, like me, um, we're obviously uh, very tiny. Um, we don't have any money, um, and so obviously, like finance and uh, cash is so hard to get, and investment is really, really difficult to get. And um, one of the ways to actually raise, raise funds for your business is to do a crowdfunding. Um, exercise or project, um, we uh, we use Kickstarter and Seasense, um, Luke's business, also use Kickstarter. Um, yeah, and the reason that I used Kickstarter w- was mainly because of the community that is involved uh, within Kickstarter. There's a lot of, um, it's got a massive community, massive following. So as soon as you release a project, um, you can get featured and obviously a lot more backers that people won't even who won't even know your business, um, and I think that's why uh, Luke uh, also chose that platform. There's obviously a lot of different uh, crowdsourcing um, platforms out there that you can use. Um, Kickstarter uses an all-or-nothing model, so it's uh, probably it's quite a stressful one, but it actually probably makes you work that extra bit harder to reach the goal. Um, so it just basically means that if you don't reach your goal of the funding, uh, you won't get any money. So you have to reach that goal. So um, it's quite a an amazing way to do it um, we obviously succeeded in uh, March of this year and Luke also succeeded as well which is absolutely brilliant um, so his fl- flip-flops are actually available still uh, through his website which is uh, CSense uh, flip-flops uh, I'll just get the right address for you it's yeah CSenseflipflops.com uh, so if you go on his website you can still pre-order the flip-flops which I am pretty certain are about to arrive in the UK so uh, if you order them now I'm, I'm pretty sure you'll get them soon very similar to our t-shirts made from seaweed fiber they are due in the uk uh, any moment now um, it's quite a nervous period for us uh, to actually uh, for these to actually arrive in the uk as i'm sure it is for luke as well um, but it's all obviously getting there and it's uh, been an amazing experience as i'm sure it has been for luke as well so a bit of background about uh, luke's business um they were set up uh, last year i think um and they do have done some Absolutely incredible uh, things within uh, the world of, of basically trying to clean up the ocean and contribute to uh, solving the plastic crisis problem. Um, first first of all, they have created this biodegradable flip-flop. Uh, so they've gone through the process of finding a place that can actually make these uh, flip-flops. They're made from natural rubber Um so Luke will explain exactly like how they're made and how they feel on your feet and everything. Uh, I can't wait to get my pair. Um, they're involved with uh, working with Empower and the the Ocean Cleanup Project, as well as Ocean Soul Africa, uh, which are all organisations which are helping to reduce plastic pollution and just collect plastic. Um, you can read absolutely tons about um, how Luke has gone about collecting uh, all these different plastics and how um, his business is basically investing back into uh, projects like that <clears throat> around the world. So it's absolutely amazing stuff and uh, totally commendable what Luke is doing and he's totally doing it in the the, the right way. Um, so yeah, awesome stuff uh, from Luke. Um, so without uh, further ado, I will hand over to Luke and myself uh, chatting uh, last month about um, his incredible biodegradable flip-flops and also um, the Kickstarter and the journey with that. Enjoy.
1: Thanks so much for, for having me. Um, uh, so, we are uh, UK based, so we're based just outside London uh, in Hampshire, and we sell um, biodegradable flip flops. So, 100% uh, natural materials, completely plastic free, and we also use profits to prevent plastics from reaching our oceans as well awesome mate
0: um so yeah so i've heard a lot about obviously uh, natural rubbers and ulex being used in uh, wetsuits is it a similar material that you're using is it is it actually rubber
1: yeah so it's it the it the process that it goes through is very minimal so it's it's from from it comes straight from the rubber tree so sustainable harvest uh, in vietnam and then it's treated and uh basically the, the the product running from what you get from the tree to the actual flip-flops uh it, it's very minimal um in terms of the wetsuits i think uh it, it's treated a little bit differently just to give a bit more flexibility uh and uh, a bit more kind of comfort because the the flip-flops are actually very kind of uh durable and sturdy and and not stiff as such but um i, I imagine that would be quite uncomfortable if it was a wetsuit it'd be like a, bit like a tin man but but yeah it, it's it's quite a um a uh, small process from kind of tree to to foot, basically.
0: Awesome, mate. So, is the flip flop like a hundred percent natural rubber? There's no, there's nothing else involved in the flip flop at all.
1: Yeah, no, uh, completely, hundred uh, percent natural rubber. Um, the way that we that it gets hardened is it's treated with a tiny amount of ammonia. Um, so it's less uh, less ammonia than you'd find in a normal kind of sample of seawater, for example. And that gives it kind of its uh, its firmer qualities.
0: Awesome. Mate. Uh, what about the colouring as well? So how'd you get the how'd you make the different colours? Because I love all the different colours that you come up with.
1: Yeah. So they're all natural dyes as well. So um, that that was one big thing that we we're really we're really keen on. Um, that we, we didn't want to be a bit of a hypocrite, uh, because obviously like the, the most colorful flip flops always, always sell really well, especially because it's a summer, summer item, but we didn't want to kind of pump it full of chemicals just to get those perfect colors. So we are bound by what we can do in terms of what's available naturally. So yeah. you see a lot of flip flop brands, they have all these crazy neon colors and just things like colors that will blow your mind, but we we're, there is scope to make different colors but they are kind of you won't see these kind of neon and, and stuff like that it's all very uh kind of uh, sticking to like the primary colors and, and and what we can do to kind of add one color to another to make another you know what i mean so we're, we're quite limited uh, but yeah. it keeps it kind of natural and, and organic
0: yeah they kind of look that way they're kind of like slightly sort of pastel color that you can see and um, so yes, yeah i yeah. think as long as people kind of know that as well It's everyone that's buying into the biodegradable side, as long as they, 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 realize as well, the colors are the colors at the moment. It's people kind of love that. It's kind of a selling point, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Um, so talk about like, how was the idea born and like, um, you know, like how was, how long have you been going and, um, what made you kind of create these flip flops? Have you done Have you tried to do it before? Like, when did you actually start up as well?
1: So, yeah, so my background is marine biology, so um, for the past 12-13 years I've worked in uh, projects where we're setting up marine protected areas and I, I've, I've travelled quite extensively uh, across all the different oceans and uh, been working to protect uh, coral reefs, whales, sharks, kind of you name it, I've been a bit of a jack of all trades. But the one thing that was always constant and, and I noticed kind of even, even when I first started, so, uh, was plastic pollution and a big part of that was flip-flops so every single ocean I'd visit every single sea river uh, especially in developing uh, around developing countries um, just be flip-flops everywhere so it's always been something I've been a bit kind of curious about um, and so last year uh, with covid um, my the tenure in my role um, kind of ended simply because it was all done by EU funding and things like that and, and because of covid um, all the money was directed to, to kind of COVID response and all that sort of stuff. So I found myself at a bit of a, a loose end. So I thought I, I've always wanted to, to do something that can involve everyone and, and give people access to a product, which you could then use the profits to do something. So I started picking my brain and started doing the research. It turns out that 25% of all plastic pollution is actually through flip flops, which, which oh. kind of blew my mind. was a study done by San Diego university. And, um, and it kind of makes sense because three billion pairs get sold every year. They're the world's most popular shoe. Um, and they're, they're made to be disposable. They're made cheaply, they're, they're, they're really cheap. So it doesn't matter if they break, you can just get some new ones. So yeah, last year I thought, right, let's, let's try and use the world's most popular shoe to try and help solve one of the world's biggest problems. So that's where the kind of the acorn was planted and, and everything else has, has grown since. Amazing, amazing. Um,
0: yeah the stats on that are just absolutely mad aren't they in terms of like uh, the amount of, i didn't realize like uh, flip-flops was such a huge problem within the plastic pollution uh, oh, it's,
1: it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's crazy like one of our partners that we work with is the Gili Eco Trust over in indonesia and um they're a tiny little island off the coast of bali and they every morning they collect between 500 and a thousand pairs of flip-flops um on their beach cleans just yes. simply they just get washed up and it's, it's just it's, it's unbelievable that the amount that are out there yeah no way what do you know what they do with the do
0: they, are they able to recycle those flip-flops as well
1: yeah so there's there's a couple of things they do they um they either they can recycle it but they can kind of turn it into mulch and then use that in other products yeah. or they um make artwork out of it um they they, they, they kind of work with some of the people and, and uh, another organization that we support is Ocean Soul. They're in Kenya. They do a similar sort of thing, but they collect around a million flip flops every year and turn it into art, which then they sell to, to kind of all around the world and use the funds to kind of help communities, education, healthcare, all that sort of stuff. So, um, so yeah, there, there is lots of kind of great things coming from, from, from all the, all these flip flops that get washed up, but it's, it's that kind of what happens to the ones, the, the ones that don't yeah. get washed up. That's what you have got to worry about totally totally
0: so in terms of like uh you you mentioned about the profits that you give back to certain charities and everything so which charities and organizations have you aligned with and like if someone was going to be setting up a company similar to yours uh trying to solve a plastic pollution issue and wanted to uh give back to a charity who who would you recommend and like yeah who who do you guys uh, support
1: so uh, first and foremost to to because our, our aim is to, well, in our first couple of years, is to collect a million, the equivalent of a million plastic bottles before they enter our oceans. So that's around 20,000 kilos of plastic. So our our may, our may big partnership to, to, to get those kind of big numbers is with a company called Empower. They're a Scandinavian company, and they basically have uh, plastic banks all around developing countries. They monetize plastic so people can collect the plastic, take it into these plastic banks and and swap it for um, things like uh, mobile phone credit, health insurance, school supplies, all that sort of stuff. So it gives plastic a value. Um, and so they're, they're our, our, our main partner in terms of the, the, like getting these huge amounts of uh, plastic collection. Yeah. Uh, we, also, um, we also support the ocean cleanup. So um, whereas we want to stop plastics from reaching the oceans in the first place, we, we're not so naive to realize that um, it's, it's really important to, to take them out of the ocean as well. So we're supporting the ocean cleanup and they're doing amazing work. And then on the, in terms of grassroots, we support ocean soul, which is that one in Kenya that I mentioned where they're, um, collecting flip flops and turning that into art and selling it around the world. And the other one is the, um, the, the Gilly, uh, eco trust, uh, which they're, they're doing great things in, in Indonesia and, and for the local population.
0: Yeah. Amazing. So quite a few there. That's a yeah, awesome man. Uh, so you're running yes. like separate, um, community projects with each of that each of those uh, charities or have you got like new new ideas that you're going to be doing in the future with those
1: guys well for us um, and, and basically throughout my career like wherever i've been people who are on the ground and doing the work know exactly what needs to be done and the last thing that that, that anyone needs is someone coming along and saying right you guys should be doing this we're going to give you money but we want you to do this like we're, we're basically giving them Money that they can use in the way that they know will be successful in terms of dealing with the issue. Mm-hmm. So um, they they're basically um, very transparent in how they use the funds, uh, and that's all going to be live on the, on our website, kind of in real time, where everyone's money is going. Uh, but we wouldn't want to just kind of preach to them and say you guys should be doing this, you guys should be doing that. They know exactly what they're doing. They just need the support to be able to do it on mass, basically. Cool, man! Amazing. Yeah, yeah.
0: Brilliant. And um, so, uh, yeah, obviously, uh, I think I found you because you also did a Kickstarter campaign same as what we did. Um, I think that's, i obviously doing, a, a something really similar in terms of the material you're using and trying to highlight, a, a, an issue like plastic pollution and sustainability. Um, yeah. so just like, obviously you chose Kickstarter, what, what led yeah. you to going down the whole crowdfunding, um, like, uh, like I like idea.
1: Yeah. So, um... The Kickstarter for us, it was the idea was that we wanted to get similar to you, probably um, we wanted to get that big injection of cash early, which would enable us to buy in bulk, which would set us up uh, instead of having to because like minimum order quantities and all that sort of stuff. When when you're talking to suppliers, um, you might want to start off small and have maybe a hundred orders here, hundred orders there, but it just doesn't work like that. It's not worth their while to do that. So, um, to be able to meet the, the minimum order, uh, kind of quantities, it was, it was the best thing for us to do. And also, um, with Kickstarter, it's a really good community. Um, there's lots of other crowdfunding things out there. Um, Indiegogo and sorts of things like that. Not a poo-poo, Indiegogo, they're, they're great, I'm sure. But with Kickstarter, there's people that are actually on Kickstarter, not just because you've directed them there for a Facebook ad or something, but that they're there just lurking. They're there just kind of looking for bargains and looking for the next big thing. And yeah. um, you, get, you get these kind of super backers who've, who've bought thousands of different things off Kickstarter. Um, so it's a real community um, rather than just a place to direct people. So um, obviously, it's great to say, go and visit our Kickstarter page. But we got so much support and, and so many backers that actually just found us. Um, we ended up being kind of a staff pick for Kickstarter. So we were a project we love, uh, which is really good. So people kind of found us on, on that page as well. But it, the, the traffic that we got was, was just great. And the amount of people that just didn't know who we were, went onto our page, saw it, and then decided to back us. That was that was great. And I don't think you'd be able to get that on a lot of other crowdfunding um, crowdfunding sites.
0: Yeah, definitely. I think that's the biggest uh, advantage of using Kickstarter. I think it's probably because it is the the biggest one to use and it's kind of like the most recognized in people's name, the most recognized brand. Um, yeah, so like well, I kind of did it very quickly uh, with me, we kind of, like, kind of came up with the idea and got everything kicked off, I suppose, with Kickstarter and ready. Um, but what I what I think I didn't do, what I did wrong, was I didn't build up enough momentum at the very beginning. So, did you kind of have the idea and spend a lot of time uh, organizing like a, a launch date and things like that? Did you did you plan for it quite well?
1: Yeah, so uh, I think we we started it about three months out. Um, okay. We spoke to a lot of people and um, about what because it, it was a brand new thing. Uh, if if I hadn't spoken to the right people, I probably would have just launched and hoped for the best. Yeah, um, and we might have done it, but who knows? Like, um, so the idea was that we, we built a launch page, we ran Facebook ads directing people to that launch page, so then we we grew this community uh, beforehand. Um, so then, when it was a month ago, we'd email them saying a month ago, um, and then we we had that kind of audience that we could go out to. Yeah. Um, but strangely enough. The, the, although that was good for, for drumming up kind of support and, 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 and exposure and things like that, the, the majority of people that went to our kickstarter and bought were, were, were actually from our Instagram followers. Right. So we'd, I think we, we'd got about 10,000 people had signed up beforehand to say, let us know when you launch because we were interested. And it was maybe 1%, 1.5% of those actually kind of went to the Kickstarter and, 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 and kind of backed us that the majority came from Instagram which was uh, I was really surprised at disappointed obviously because we we'd spent a lot of time kind of going out to all these people and spent a lot of money in advertising to to build up that support so that then they could support us when we went live but it was quite nice to know that we, our Instagram following was really engaged and that's yeah. something that we can kind of uh, play on in the future because uh, it looks like we're kind of hitting the right mark and getting the right people supporting us so so that was that was a uh, that was a, a positive but, but yeah so it, it was in the, the practice, in practice wasn't as good as, as what we'd had in theory. We, we thought we would build up this huge following and then email them and say, right, let's go. But it didn't, it didn't kind of work out as, as well as we'd hoped. Yeah, man,
0: yeah, I, I know exactly what I mean. I think you don't really know until you actually launch it what the kind of audience are gonna do. And that can completely change depending on what's kind of going on and what people yeah. are doing at the time, I suppose. And like we both, we did it at a very similar time and probably the worst, uh, global circumstances like, uh, like when I like I don't know if you've got kids but we I've got a I've got a son and then I've got two step kids but we're at one point we're, we're literally just in the house with homeschooling like three kids uh, through the pandemic with a kickstarter going on having to do like promotion like every single day it was
1: a uh, pretty pretty insane and, and I don't know if it was the same for you but because our, uh, I know that like with your t-shirts and it's, it's like summery kind of product and yes. it's the same for the flip flop. It's a summery sort of product, and in terms of the timing, it, we we may have done better in the summer, but then the flip flops wouldn't have arrived until the winter. So it's kind of that working against us. So we had to do all our photography yeah. and all our kind of stuff um, on on the beach in between snow days, kind of playing with the filters, trying to make it look a little bit more tropical. Yeah. Um, so it, it, and and again, it's the pandemic. Yeah. So it, it was it was a really kind of awkward time so i think there's there's some pride to be taken from like for both of us kind of that we actually pulled it off somehow that it actually it actually works that's that's something good
0: totally man yeah exactly the same um yeah i, I did i kind of rushed into it and knew that had to be done then exactly that because of the seasonal aspect that i knew the t-shirts were going to make about were going to take about three months to uh, produce and make and design and everything um so i needed them to be done but in time for the summer so if we are taking the orders the t-shirts will be ready then and i don't know very similar situation uh for you as well um so did you like uh, i employed a pr company as well like um which they they were totally amazing to be honest and got some mega mega leads and we got uh, we actually got an opportunity with the associated press um which actually because of covid got uh basically mm-hmm. delayed we've still not even done it um, they're going to do it at the end of this month uh, but that would have been absolutely huge um, yeah, yeah. but we got we did get the press association which is kind of like the british version of the associated press so we still got some really big press opportunities which um, definitely definitely helped um, did you end up using a pr company or did you do it all yourself how, how did you go about the marketing
1: yeah so for, for us it was we, we used a specialist marketing company who worked on kickstarter campaigns before and it was it was quite tricky like if i'm honest i wouldn't use them again because it was very much um they had access to all these um all these contacts that they could target on facebook facebook ads uh, things like that and and building this kind of audience was was the main thing but it was one of these packages where they would um, help build your kickstarter page they would do xyz and um, I thought, oh, this is going to be great. This is going to make my life so much easier because um, so I can just focus on other stuff. When I actually came down to it, there—I um, I, I won't mention who they are—but they were a real kind of cowboy <laughs> outfit. Like they—they they didn't really fulfil any of their any of their promises. Um, I had to build the Kickstarter page myself. I had to kind of like teach myself how to do like these things on online um, design platforms and all sorts of stuff to kind of blag my way and, and try and build this page as to, as to how I'd want it because what they did was just um, unbelievable in terms of it just missed the mark completely. Mm. Um, and they, they, they're more of a headache than, 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 um, than I was hoping for, for the money that I actually kind of got paid for them to do it, um, which, which was really disappointing. Um, so I think my, my, my bit of advice would be it. Like just shop around and look at reviews and, and, and really try and because um, a lot of these uh, companies that help out with Kickstarters you can see them as like collaborators on the actual Kickstarter campaign'll they um, so, so have a look at uh, Kickstarter campaigns that have run uh, in the past uh, and then kind of speak to those uh, speak to those people that have run the Kickstarter and say, did you use these guys were they any good? Because they're quite a nice community, the Kickstarter community. Like they always want people to succeed, and I think I, because I was quite naive, I, I I saw I kind of was lured by the price more than anything, and it turned out that there was a lot more work than I ever thought I would I would have to do, um, which which was a bit of a shame. But I, I do think there are great ones out there, and, and obviously that you've had a good experience, and lots of people do have a good experience, and there are great ones that people can find, but well worth shopping around, reading reviews, and, um, and all that sort of thing. Um, and one other thing I, I would say to, in terms of the Kickstarter, um, there will be lots of people circling and, and selling you um, snake oil. Like they'll send yeah. you messages saying, oh, we, we can get you this, we can get you that. Uh, we can uh, One bad one, we can sell you 5 million email addresses of, of super backers to yeah, yeah, reach yeah. out to. And as soon as you if you were to ever press that send button kickstarter throws you off because it kind of goes against their policies you can't kind of um send um, unsolicited emails to people mm-hmm. so there's, there's a, there are a lot of kind of people who will promise you the world um but but yeah just be just be very wary and, and be very uh, do your due diligence i'd say
0: totally mate yeah um we actually use like quite a digital, traditional uh pr company uh in the end because yeah I, I mean I run like a design agency as well as my inland sea business as well so I kind of could get all the graphic design ready I could get the website stuff ready um, I could plan yeah. all the marketing pretty well um, and yeah get a lot of that in place and the, and the video as well obviously that's a big core integral piece of uh, the Kickstarter campaign is having a really good video Um which I think anyone that's going to do it probably that might be one of the biggest stumbling blocks in terms of getting like a really amazing well filmed engaging video because obviously that can cost a lot of money um so yeah like uh we were saying like I got tons of like crazy marketing emails after after it and when you're in the thick of it and you think like oh could I, you know that could that might help but I think like you've got a really give in to any temptation with any of that uh, stuff that pretty much just stick to your guns and the pr company that i used were really really good and the press that we got off the back of that it was kind of Mm. yeah it was it wasn't even really to do with kickstarter It was more like general press stuff which would then just just give us exposure of like what we're doing and um kind of more felt like a more natural way of doing it as well and just talking about what we're doing and that seemed to work really well i think maybe you've got to look at what you're trying to achieve and what you're doing, what the product is and who the target market is. And maybe like with my, you know, being a bit more wise after the event, like really looking into who was going to be buying this t-shirt. It's the same with you. Like who are those people who are actually going to be really engaged? Like uh, I suppose you found that, did you get a lot of people natural engagement from Kickstarter and you probably didn't expect that.
1: Um, yeah, yeah. It, there's more more natural engagement than um, than people that we that we kind of accrued in that in that big mailing list. To be honest, yeah, yeah, um, exactly. yeah. I, I think it's. I, I thought again. I thought it's, I think I was a, bit, a little bit naive, thinking right. Ten thousand people have signed up. Wow, imagine if ten yeah. percent of those all buy a pair. And yeah. it's just people will just sign up for anything. I, and then I thought, oh, I've signed up for some absolute rubbish. And I've got no interest, but just it had a cool picture and it took two two seconds of my time. Just so, oh yeah, I'll sign up for that, I'll sign up for that. And and then when you put yourself into that mentality, you think, oh gosh, like no one's going to buy these things because people just sign up because it's always oh, a bright color or always oh, a picture on a beach. Oh, that's, that looks good. So, yes, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it was very hidden in this.
0: Totally. But I think uh, you, you totally did the right thing there though by doing the email list. I think um, you've got to have, it's just one of the many cogs that you've got to have moving. And then one of those cogs will probably work really, really well. And it's kind of like you've got to cover every single one because it might have been the case that you did get like, maybe 10% of that 10,000 people. of backers, yeah, And exactly. you didn't get the
1: Kickstarter stuff. It just really depends on what's going on. Um, yeah. And, and, yeah. And, you, and, and you've also got that as a foundation of a larger mailing list moving forward so they might not have gone for it on the Kickstarter campaign because a lot of people I think oh it's a new product it might not be any good once you start kind of seeing reviews and think oh it is an interesting product maybe I'll I'll kind of have a look on the website so you've always got that to kind of fall back on as well
0: completely man and yeah I mean email as well like uh, that's the number one thing that's never gonna go away like um, excuse me. Instagram could disappear tomorrow. Um, you know, you could lose all your followers, or just people just would could suddenly stop using it. But email is the number one thing that's just been there. It's like the can yeah. be the complete backbone of your business. So if you're really good with e marketing as well and really consistent, you've you've created a seed there by like doing a Kickstarter that anyone that's like been engaged as well and been receiving the emails, they, they might not have backed the actual product, but they'll be following the story. They'll be interested to see when the flip-flops come out and then they might buy. And feel you know, like it's, uh, I think email, people probably underestimate the power of like uh, having a really good email list. Um, and mm. so, yeah, it's an amazing database um, that you've got to just, that can be really like the foundation of a business, I think. like uh, Yeah, that, no, Yeah, it's a good move. Um, so yeah I mean more a little bit more on marketing like how do you find like um, advertising like now are you have you uh, taken the your foot off the gas pedal at the moment or are you like pushing forward with more advertising do you are you using like Facebook to advertise if you've got a budget and things like that
1: yeah so because at the moment we're at a stage where the websites all live and you can pre-order uh, yeah with, uh, Saying that we'll we'll post them out when they arrive in the, kind of at the end of May, uh, but what we want to do is um, we've got a couple of ads running, uh, just a couple of pounds a day that just over the course of like the next month or two, it kind of gets gets it out there because we're uh, and the target that we're using is quite quite a small one. It's, it's around kind of two hundred thousand people, so yeah. we're we're basically building up that kind of trust and and, and that uh, brand awareness between those. Yeah of select people who we think would definitely be interested in that product and then once everything arrives and, and once we're in a situation that um, I've spoken to a couple of marketing people and say there's no point in doing it as a pre-order because people get really put off by that no matter how good the product is we're in this kind of Amazon Prime generation where everyone wants everything tomorrow mm-hmm. and they, they they just get a little bit put off by that so um, they'll get to the shopping cart and then they'll think, oh, it's not gonna arrive for another kind of three weeks. I'll, I'll come back when it's, when it's available. But yeah, so once everything's in place and you can get it within kind of 48 hours, then we will kind of start ramping up the advertising. and and um, But yeah, it's, it's that idea that do we, uh, like you've obviously kind of had a good experience with it with that PR company. Um, it's like lots of people say, right, you need to spend X amount a month. Um, but then there's our fees on top, which are the same. And that kind of, I, it'd be great to kind of, and I'm doing like, I'm reading up as much as I can, like how to do it yourself, basically, or how to do it as, as cheaply as possible. Because what I don't want to do is waste lots of money because the whole idea of what we're doing is that we use, uh, we're using the profits for, uh to achieve something else. And I don't want really to have to, throw away kind of hundreds of pounds on, on, on kind of advertising because it's just a waste. It's just an absolute yeah. waste. So, um, so yeah, I'm, I'm trying to learn, uh, like I've done much of it, trying to learn how to do it, um, on our own. And mm-hmm. then, um, if we do get into trouble, um, then, then if it's not kind of kicking off as we want, then yeah, it will kind of give a pr company a call and saying can you help us because there are lots of really good ones out there that do just sustainable clothing and and all that sort of stuff and um they're, they're very geared and they have that audience already that they can kind of tap into so mm-hmm. that's, that's that's why you pay them the big bucks i guess but so yeah it's, it's like what about you guys are you are you getting on with the, the advertising yeah or gung-ho or how are you well
0: doing? it's exactly a really similar boat to be honest um i'm I've experimented with like things like Facebook ads for years, to be honest, and tried to learn it myself. I find it an absolute nightmare, if I'm totally honest. Um, I've worked it out a lot more recently, used another company to try and set them up um, and just get them into a place where I kind of know <laughs> what what's going on with it. Um, so there's, that's obviously a tiny little element. Um, things like the, the PR company stuff, really, that's been like we've had... Um, like features in like Express newspaper and just across loads of uh, mainstream media I suppose which definitely we had some kick kickoff kickback from it Um but for me that's just really good awareness and like getting really good SEO and uh, links as well because we've got a, ma- a massive list of like our brand name and website to do with Seaweed yeah. as well now it's like spread across like Absolutely loads of uh, retail like websites, uh, which will be there forever and just will act as like a really good anchor. So, that's another big plus point, I think, from you, for using a PR mm-hmm. company. Um, I've got featured in like Coast Magazine as well. That was off the back of the PR company. Um, so, the, all these things are kind of like more seeds, I suppose, more than anything, rather than direct sales, which are then, I'm yeah. hoping, will come into play a little bit further when we when we get a bit more, made, when, when we become more known and also when we do start to advertise and is, is exactly what you're saying there, we're trying to, what we're trying to do, because we're, we're, we're both unknown brands, aren't we? So we're, we're trying to build up trust and loyalty and just make sure that the product is really good so that when it does come out, you get the really good reviews and then as soon as people, you become a trusted brand, then it should slowly get easier um so yeah really similar boat uh, trying to obviously do it ourselves but the time you know the time and hours that i spent um, messing around on things like facebook ads and trying to teach myself mm. you obviously do wonder could, could can i get it done elsewhere um but yeah i don't know it's just I've found it's just my your own journey in a way. Like, um, t- it really depends on your skills. Like I've got like all the graphic design stuff. I can design the ads and things like that. So I can get yeah. a lot of that kind of ready. It's just more of the, the technical headaches stuff and maybe even the money side of stuff that I'm not so good at. Um, but mm-hmm. you just, I don't know, you just work it out, I suppose. Um, yeah, if you, I mean, so are you guys, um, what's like the next steps are you looking to get like an investor or like, um, you're hoping that, like, what, what, how are you hoping that, how are you going to scale it? I mean, are you just selling individual pairs on the website? Are you looking to actually supply uh, shops and bigger retail and attract investors? What's, what, what, what do you hope to have? Yeah, so
1: I, th- I, th- I think, like, what, I don't want to kind of give away, like, any equity if I can help it, simply yeah. because it, it's that, um, because it, it it kind of it enables us to be a little bit more kind of nimble, and we can make changes when we need to, and we don't have to kind of consult people. We can just kind of go in our own direction if if we need to. Um, and in terms of what we want to do, um, I think that where we're going to make the most inroads is through uh, wholesale. So. Um, we've signed up to do um, quite a few little kind of country fairs and shows over the summer we'll have a like a table and, and just kind of like sell our wares and, and try and kind of um, grow our, our brand that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also, uh, we registered on um, the. the, the um, I've just been doing it all last week actually. There's quite a few kind of online fashion wholesale websites that you can sign up to and, and present your. Present your stuff on there so um, kind of retail chains can kind of might stumble across them if, they're, if they're, they need some more flip flops or, or, or something, they might kind of come across them. But um, what we're trying to do is also reach out to loads of different buyers for um, like kind of online and kind of high street department stores, all that sort of stuff. Yeah, and what that we're quite excited about um, is. If all goes well, um, there's a, a flip-flop franchise in the states, and they own around kind of seventy different flip-flop shops. Time to flip-flop shops uh, <laughs> around around the states. So um, we've got <laughs> we that's sign on the dotted line. But uh, we're going to have a trial in one of their stores, um, and then if that goes well, and if there's demand and appetite for the product. And they're then gonna try and get them into the other franchises, which would mean that our product is, cause if we just stay in the UK, and obviously like the, the UK markets are our number one target, um, very proud to be British and, uh, and all that, but it's seasonal. Like we, we will get like a peak in the summer and maybe a Christmas, and then the rest of the year we'll just be kind of scratching around for a bit of profit. Whereas if, if we can go say like the States, they've got um, Florida, California, um, these countries, these, these states where um, it's summer all year round, kind of thing, yeah. then we don't have to be a seasonal business. So we can just kind of keep our foot the, on, the, on the gas for, for, for the whole year round. Um, so I as much as I'd love to be able to say that the, our own shop is going to be a huge success, I think we need to have our fingers in, in lots of different pies. And, and if people can um, sell for us, Uh, and they can say instead of us trying to sell 50 pairs if someone comes along and says right we'll take 200 pairs at the kind of wholesale price then that's going to make our lives so much easier and again it helps to build the brand as well Um, but but before all that happens um, I was talking to a guy who's a bit of a shoe expert he's been working in shoes for around 40 years and he says don't just work don't just hope to put your shoes in a shop and people will stumble across it, you need to be in a position where you've grown your brand to the point where people will go to the shop to buy your shoes. Mm-hmm. So it's it's it was it was quite good advice, but also quite scary. It's so yeah. we're, a big part of what we're doing is like our brand mm-hmm. identity and keeping up like our social media and and all that sort of stuff, so that then people would kind of want to actually buy a pair as opposed to just kind of see them and think, oh, they're okay. Totally. So it's, 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 there's so many things to think about. It's just, it, it, it blows my mind a lot of the time. So, yeah. Yeah, um, absolutely,
0: man. It's like the wholesale thing is, is definitely the one that needs to be cracked. Um, I find it really difficult because obviously if you go and then sell it to wholesale, you're making half the money that you're making if you sell it yourself, uh, but then you can't yeah. sell it yourself because you can only sell like, in the, you know, the odd pair here and there. Um, but yeah, yeah i think you need to find a mix and kind of going back to what that guy said you're doing well i think we feel i feel like we're we're both probably doing the same sort of thing yeah, the right thing because we're trying to create a massive brand awareness of just literally about the brand name more than anything on what we're doing but first and foremost and then if we can get our products into shops it's like then people hopefully will seek out that product so yeah rather than i think a lot of people who probably have come from a Wholesale background, I suppose, would would be just going down the pure like wholesale, trying to sell to wholesale, and then thinking that if I just can sell all these ones to the wholesale people, will go and buy them. But without we, you, kind of like need the the two mixes to come together. So yeah. it's just it's kind of like painfully sort of slow process, I suppose. But I guess it just takes years of just grinding it's, at it. It is, yeah.
1: And if if you think like kind of if we would to look at our direct competitors. Um, I, I'm not mentioning any names, but there's one big flip-flop one out there that probably everyone knows of, I, I've never seen them have their own shop, it's all, you always yeah. buy it kind of at a department store or on like ASOS or um, Amazon or, or, or something like that, so you, you always kind of seek, seek out that brand as opposed to going to their shop because you, yeah, I've never actually been to a, a, a shop of our direct competitors as such. Mm-hmm. Because um, they're all just out there. And Amazon's another one. I, I, I kind of keep umanoring whether to use Amazon, and I think like, the, the reason that I'm, I'm going against it is because I can't guarantee what packaging they'll turn up in. Like uh, sometimes they do turn up in cardboard boxes with kind of cardboard tape, and that's great. But other times they just things just turn up in a jiffy bag, and it's just more plastic. And and we've made this kind of conscious decision not to use any plastic in our product yeah. or our packaging. And I w- I just don't want to kind of because it's a huge thing if we, like, it, it, it makes us hypocrites if we use this kind of huge multinational company just because um, of their exposure and, the, and their, like, cheap prices to then put more plastic out there. So it's, yeah, it's it's, it's a tricky one, one.
0: Oh, man. Yeah, it's really difficult. Yeah, I was going to ask about uh, distribution. So um, how, do you, how do you currently go about distributing? How are you going to do it when you get your uh, hundreds of flip-flops uh, delivered? Are you literally uh, hands, all hands on deck? Uh, Putting them together and packaging them up, or are you using a natural specific distributor?
1: Yeah, so um, we we've decided. Um, so instead of kind of keeping everything in the garage, and doing it and going to the post office, um, kind of five times a day, whatever it might be, yeah. um, we we kind of shopped around and looked for the best possible fulfillment people. Yeah. Now there's there's huge ones that that deal with big chains and, and move tens of thousands of, of kind of products every single day. Um, whereas what we've decided to do is uh, we've actually found a really lovely fulfillment company. Um, they're based in Camden, they're called Mailout, and um, I consciously kind of want to kind of say their name because they're a, they're a wonderful company. They, they basically do fulfillment, but the people that work in the um, kind of in their warehouse, uh, it's a social enterprise. Nice. So it's basically uh, providing training and uh, apprenticeships for, uh, for adults with kind of learning disabilities and autism. So it's it, it's basically giving back to the community by teaching them uh, new skills through fulfillment. Brilliant. And I think what, what, what a lovely thing to do. I'd rather uh, kind of pay a fulfillment company to be able to train these people and um, they don't take any profits on kind of postage costs. It's all kind of uh, a very kind of base rate, like raw mail rates or whatever. Um, but yeah, they're, they're, they're teaching these these wonderful people uh, a new skill um, and they they do all the things you could ever want to do in terms of fulfillment, whether it's um, kind of labeling or whether you ship things directly to them and they package it all up for you. And, and, and they're, they're just, yeah, they're just really, really lovely and it's for a really good cause. So yeah, we're, we're, we're so happy to, be able to be to be working
0: with them amazing yeah i've not heard of them so yeah that, that's a, a good one for myself yeah amazing thank you is it mail out mail out yeah cool yeah Brilliant. awesome man um, amazing yeah i was gonna ask like um so in terms of the actual flip-flop product itself have you is it a painted material or anything like that How are you going to protect your design and um, can people go and do what you're doing themselves
1: yeah so it's um uh, natural rubber, which which is really good, is being used more and more um, um, as, as the years go by. So it, it's not a, a patented uh, product. Uh, it, it's 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 one that so lots of lots of people are using natural rubber for um, soles of shoes. Uh, they're using it in um, they say like wetsuits, latex gloves, condoms, everything. Like the natural rubber is being like it's becoming a really really sought after product um and there are a, there are a couple of um, flip-flop manufacturers that that do kind of a natural rubber range but what what all what I wanted to do like what like the key thing for us was that um, it's a it, it, it's a way of getting profits to then use for other purposes mm-hmm. whereas uh, all these other companies are kind of for profit yeah um. Um, so, it's, so that's kind of where our, our unique selling point is. There is, um, there are other people using um, natural rubber, which I think is great. Like um, they're not kind of competitors as such. Like we're, we're all trying to do good things, but our, our, our thing is that we're not doing it kind of for profit. We're, we're doing it for kind of to, to, to stop plastic kind of getting into the oceans. Um, and it just turned out that that was the best. I, I, didn't, I didn't want to be in a position where I was, a lot of companies are using um, recycled ocean plastic at the moment. Mm-hmm. And there's a huge debate on whether, and, and and they're calling it kind of eco-friendly and sustainable. Uh, and there's a big debate at the moment that I didn't want to get caught up in of whether um, recycling ocean plastics is sustainable, because uh, it is it's, it's that thing like right? it keeps plastic in the in kind of the front of everyone's minds. They keep it as a a product that that we should be using. And it's a useful product where. I didn't want to get into a situation where I'm kind of trying to defend my use of recycled plastics when I'm trying to stop plastic reaching the ocean. So it was that kind of idea: We'd step away, use a different material. And it just happened that a couple of other people were also using that material, which is which is great. So yeah, um, so there's there's no kind of malice or, or no kind of like real bad competition or, or that sort of thing. It's everyone's trying to do their best, which is good. Yeah, man.
0: Yeah, exactly the same with me. Um, so I initially started the business to raise awareness of plastic pollution um, and it was kind of like there weren't that many companies at all making t-shirts out of recycled plastic bottles at that time, like 2014. Um, but now everyone's using um, recycled plastic bottles in everything, which again, it's really great. But then it's like it comes all the way back round and we're like, yeah, we're taking plastic bottles out of out of the ocean, effectively, and not, not let them get in the sea. Uh, but then all we're doing is recycling it, putting it back into t-shirts. And although the it's still going to carry on existing, we're not actually, we're sort of solving the problem. We're kind of halfway there, but it, yeah, exactly the same. I'm the same with you. I want to, although, you know, there's t-shirts in this room now that are all still made out of recycled plastic bo- bottles or recycled polyester. Um, Mm. I need to get away from that completely Um, which is why uh, why when I found seaweed and this whole seaweed fibre why that was such a kind of revolutionary material because it can replace like the polyester aspect um, and it's a completely sustainable material it's and you know when it grows and things like that it um, helps combat climate change uh, whereas plastic obviously does the complete opposite so yeah um, exactly I want to get a Hundred percent away from using any type of plastic in our actual um, in our actual clothing, uh, totally. Yeah. Same same issue.
1: And there's and and there's so much greenwashing as well. It seems to be like the trendy thing now to say, "Oh yeah, we're made out of recycled ocean plastic," and it's just I don't know. It it just doesn't feel right for me that that that, um, a lot of people sell it, as in they're actually going out and collecting the bottles and using them to make the, the like the the clothes that are on your back, that kind of thing. Whereas it's all kind of, uh, it's all in a warehouse, they've got all these threads and stuff that they've made, millions of meters of thread they've got ready to go, mm-hmm. and it's people are kind of selling it like, oh yeah, like we, we, we stopped, we, we collected all this ourselves and we've turned it into shoes, which is great if they have, but it's, it's just part of one big manufacturing kind of process. Um, so, so yeah, lots of, lots of greenwashing going on. I think I'm a bit of a pessimist when it comes to a bit of a cynic when it comes to all this sort of thing. So, um,
0: yeah, no, I think you're right to be, to be honest, like, especially like, well, when you're in it, it's like, you kind of can see exactly what's going on. Whereas like everyday people that just want to buy a t-shirt or some flip flops and they're not that bothered about looking into the deep side of it, the, the greenwashing thing. They're just, people just are busy aren't they just want to pick, pick up something yeah. and and buy it or whatever and but whereas when you know for us we really can see exactly what's going on um, and see the see the bigger you know like H&M are a massive one in terms of like the whole collecting of um, they run the scheme where they collect old t-shirts and meant to upcycle it all but there's loads of investigations into like how much are they actually doing it and it's it's probably being used more as a marketing ploy. Um, no, completely. You know, like things like that and I want to do that but I want to do that properly and just show the full traceability of like what we're actually doing Um have you got like full traceability going on in terms of like where the rubber comes from and like that whole entire process of you as well yeah, yeah I mean are you able to yeah, visit so,
1: where they've been made? Yeah so um, I, I, I'd love to but that's one yeah. of my cause I, I love Vietnam Vietnam's an amazing place so, Vietnam, Vietnam that's where our um, our natural rubber comes from. Yeah. yeah so it's um, and the idea that their um, uh, I can't for the life of me think of the name of the exact certificate that they've got now. But it's it's basically it, it goes it it proves they get audited and show that there's no kind of human rights violations. Everyone gets paid a fair wage, good working conditions, yeah. um, all that sort of stuff. Because because it's great having a sustainable material. Brilliant. But if <laughs> everyone's on kind of five pence for the whole week trying to kind of harvest it then then yeah it just goes against everything we're we're trying to do so yeah it was it was really important for us that it was all kind of legit as such and that everyone was getting a good wage and and everyone had good good working conditions so whether it's um whether it's on the farm or whether it's kind of in the actual manufacturing process um yeah that was that was super important to us
0: yeah yeah i think people are becoming more aware as well like anyone that's gonna um invest in your brand as well that's anyone that really gets it and really gets what you what you're doing they'll definitely want to they'll really want to see that side of it so i'm trying to be as like open as honest and transparent as possible and bits where we're failing as such like with the recycled plastic bottles for example i'm trying to say that we're trying to we want to move away from that and we're doing the seaweeds but you know like uh, just slowly yeah just try and be as honest as possible and just get people on the journey more than anything um, yeah. So uh, like we, I mean, yeah, we've done really well, man. Um, like one question, what's been like the most challenging part of uh, running the business so far um, maybe the kickstarter.
1: I think uh, it's, it sounds really silly, but it's actually, it's the sizing it which, which okay. sound, which sounds banana. I don't know if you've had the same problem, but, um, so what we did at the very beginning is we, um, looked at so many different samples of flip flops and did lots of research about the size of people's feet Mm. and all that sort of stuff. And it is virtually impossible to keep everyone happy because everyone's built differently. Um, And um, because we're we're a startup, I would love to do like from size one to size 17 and just, just to kind of make everyone happy. Um, but we couldn't, because obviously we'd have funds eventually, right, like we'll, we'll maybe have kid sizes and sizes for people with bigger feet and smaller feet. But for, we started off by saying, right, women's will do size three to seven, men's will do size eight to 12, because that's kind of fits with everyone. Um, but then it's like, oh, I, I'm a, I, I'm normally a size three, but these come a bit small. So, okay, so then we have to like redo the sizing. And that happened kind of three or four times where we had to, Redo the molds and redo the sizing just to try and keep everyone happy. Yeah. Um, and even now, um, after our Kickstarter, even though we kind of advertised the uh, the sizes and, and the dimensions and things like that, said, so "Oh, why I, I've, I I ordered three pairs, um, but I've just found out that you don't do size uh women's size 9 And I'm, I'm I'm super sorry, but it's, it's like we, we have put it out there, and um, maybe you can try a men's size eight or or something. But it's 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 and it's silly that that's the biggest headache that we've had because like, there's been loads of things that have gone wrong. But this one has just cost us hours, days, weeks trying to get it right. Yeah. But hopefully when it is right, it's right forever. So it, it's, it's kind of a, a super important thing to get done. But, um, but yeah, it's, 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 it's amazing how, like, the different shapes and sizes that people's feet come in. Mm-hmm. Um, and it'll be the same for you with like, people's torsos. Like everyone's built differently and trying to get a good fit. majority of people
0: it's probably even more tricky with t-shirts and things like that yeah i mean yeah i've gone through exactly the same in terms of the t-shirts because they want to know the exact size of everything on the t-shirt so it's like they've obviously got their own standard one that they use and then i've been using theirs and comparing comparing it with the ones that we've got here uh, and just making sure it's really similar but exactly the same people want a t-shirt with a thinner neck and like slightly and just slightly tighter but um in loads of ways, it's the first time that we've done it. Which you know, it's kind of like you've just got to go, like you've just got to <laughs> finish it and do it. I, I had exactly yeah. the same problem. Um, we've gone down to like extra extra small, um, all the way through to triple XL, I think. Yeah, um, just because like we just because we could, and for that reason, like and, and it didn't cost any more to do all those sizes. Um, we really wanted to do kids because um, we had another company who wanted to do kids, but. Um, we, we didn't want to go down to like size cause you start at th- age three to four, uh, all the way up to, to size fo- to age 14. Um, but then that's a completely separate cost, a separate way of making it as well. Um, yeah. so we've ended up just you, being able to use the extra extra small for the kids sizes, like cause they that's only good. wanted the, the, uh, the, higher end of the age anyway. So, but yeah, exactly the same There's a lot when you get into it, um, like it depends on what product you're going to be doing, obviously. Uh, but there's so many things like that that just take. You're not obviously not getting any, not getting paid for as well. And um, it's not really covering. You've got to really yeah. cover your back with the amount of time that these things might, might might take.
1: And yeah, you don't really know until you get into it. <laughs> but it's, with the sizes, way well, it's also because it's the first time ordering such a large amount. Yes, yeah. I don't want to end up with loads of size 12s at the end of the year that yeah. we can't get rid of. It's like how many of each size do you order? I think the Kickstarter was really good for that. Um, so if you're doing something that comes in different sizes and colours, you can kind of get an idea mm-hmm. of of what people want, which w- which is really helpful. So um, it kind of backs up your idea that they're going to pick up kind of this size and that colour, that sort of yeah. thing. So you can kind of order a couple of extra of those so again that's a really that that, that kind of getting an idea it's, it's also almost kind of extra market research using Kickstarter yeah people will kind of tell you right and you'll have maybe 300 people all telling you right this is the color this is the size and that kind of gives you a gauge for what everyone else wants which is really good.
0: Totally mate exactly the same like um, the Kickstarter has allowed me to <clears throat> drill down exactly what sizes I need to get for the future so I can evaluate it over 200 odd people um, I can look at how many medium we'd want to get again, how many large because exactly the same. like uh, I've bought in bulk before, but but had to just do a complete guess and hope that I yeah. sell uh, sell that size. Um, I know that a lot of companies actually have size, they have charts which what out of the t-shirts which sell really well. But it's obviously, again, like you don't know what design and what color is going to sell. Yeah, man. Yeah, I mean, it's really, I find it like such an exciting time as well at the moment because we've obviously got the climate crisis as a massive problem, but we need solutions to that problem. And that's why, like, we've got loads of uh, little startups like what we're trying to do. Um, So it is like, it's really exciting. But like any new business, you just like, and, the thing thing about it as well if you if we were doing this 20 years ago like some of the clothing brands or flip-flop brands that did did it 20 years ago there would have been a completely different way of doing it back then so it's not like any of those brands or anyone can really tell you exactly how it should be done um so we're in a way i think that's what you've got to think about we're the only way to really do it is the way that we're doing it ourselves and working it out as we slowly go along. And hopefully we'll eventually get that. If we just keep churning at at it, we'll get this like recipe that works really, really well. And then, you know, the momentum will start and we'll get natural sales. Um,
1: uh, And it's funny you say that about how things used to be done. I I, I won't mention names because they've already taken me to court, but I got, um, I actually got a message from a, a British flip flop, company and um, they reached out to me on Instagram and basically kind of laid into me saying this isn't an original product Um, like stop copying everyone else even though it's a completely original project uh, product completely original design what sort of stuff and they basically like um, went on to uh, other websites that sold kind of natural products and said you're copying these guys you're copying these guys yeah. Uh, good luck. Good luck with your your fourteen thousand pounds that you got on Kickstarter. It's taken us eight hundred thousand pounds, and we're still not finished. Like it was almost trying to. And I, I like, I thought, whoa. And then I thought, hang on, this is really good. but like, if you're getting kind yeah. of like people that are kind of whinging about you already, then there's obviously kind of some kind of threat there. Definitely. Um, but I just, I just thought it was unbelievable that they kind of reached out and actually sent us a message on Instagram. um I and the amount of kind of replies I, I kind of. Kind of thought, yeah, I could write that. now. Uh, in the end, I just didn't reply at all, and they ended up kind of blocking my uh, kind of C sense flip flops Instagram page and my personal Instagram page. They kind of blocked me, so I can't see their stuff anymore. But it's just bizarre, But like this, because they, they're quite kind of a well-known kind of flip flop company, and they just kind of yeah thought that they'd maybe. And again, it's that it, it isn't how things used to be done. Yeah, and this this kind of uh, you can grow really quickly now in a really short space of time because of social media and, yep. and all that sort of stuff. So it's easy to become someone's competition much quicker than, than it ever has been before, which I think is great, especially when you're doing something that's trying to disrupt the market, give people a, a sustainable alternative.
0: Definitely, mate. Yeah, I mean, take that as a massive compliment that they've done that, because yeah, they've obviously seen you as a, quite a big uh, threat.
1: Yeah, <laughs> so, just yeah. bananas.
0: Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That is crazy, isn't it, that? But yeah, It's a good thing. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Cool man. Um, yeah, I don't know if there's anything else you want to uh, talk
1: about. Uh, I, don't think there's much else. I think I think we've covered. I think we've covered every base. Yeah. It's just just a case of if it, and if anyone wants some more flip flops, then they know where to check us out. But only if you need more flip flops. We're, we're trying to kind of obviously limit consumerism. So yeah. it's only if you're. Um, and one thing we do do is that um, for people that have got an old pair of flip flops that've fallen apart. Um, we'll always ask them to post them into us because we are working with a really nice company who uh, mulch down um, kind of plastic foam rubber flip-flops and turn it into the flooring of children's playgrounds
0: right, so
1: you can kind of you can give your flip-flops a little bit of extra life so you can send them to us and then we'll give you a discount on your next purchase and then we'll go and recycle those and give them new life so that's it